<laughs> oh, oh, such a nice welcome. Yo, look at that beard. Uh, you, you know, you've had a, a good holiday when you put long pants on and you just feel alien in your own, in your own long pants. It's, it's just been such a, a good time. You know, I, I so love it. It goes Christmas Day, Boxing Day, I don't know what day. I don't know what day. It's just, I, I had such a good break. Mostly because, um, because the sea blessed me as a surfer and a kite surfer. I, I had on the 26th, you know, normally if you go to the beachfront on the 26th, especially if you go in the afternoon, you will not get a parking. You'll feel like your fillings are going to get rubbed out of your teeth. Like it just feels like too much. And, and because Durban has been so blessed with so many challenges, I went and about 20 of us surfed the best waves that have been around day after day after day through this, this season. And because lots of you were scared of the E. coli, we got it all to ourselves. I just want to say thank you for staying at home. Uh, the, the best part was I, was I was down at the beach and I was thinking to myself, it is the 26th, there's, there's literally four tourists here and about 48 policemen. I have never parked my car on the beachfront and felt so safe in my entire life. It's just been wonderful. And then it's rained. And I know rain can be such a bad thing, and if you've lived last year through Durban, you have trauma responses. But, but it just it rained so much that I think that Durban, if, if any more mud comes down the Amgeni, I think Durban might be in like an inland destination. There's just, there's like an island. I don't know if you've noticed that there are waves breaking like kilometers out at sea because, because of all the mud that's getting dumped there one day. It's, life's changing. But anyway, I, I just thought the rain was so good. I played so much Monopoly. It, it was just, it was just wonderful. I, and I, I, as I was going through the holiday thinking, man, this is so good. I thought to myself, halfway through, I, I can't remember the day. But I woke up the one day and I just went, thank you, Lord, that 2022 is over. In fact, I got this picture that was sent to me just before New Year's Eve. It's, it's this. It said, 2022, you have taken everything from me. That was, that was basically it. It's just, that's what I felt like after 2022. I, I don't know if you felt like that, but I went into this holiday just going... 2022, and I know this is kind of superstitious, but may you rot in hell. May, may you just die and be banished. You go away. And I just felt tired. And then I woke up the one day, somewhere through my holiday, and I went, I am tired of being tired. I don't know if anyone ever felt like that. I just went, I'm tired of life happening to me. I want to take hold, the Bible says. I want to take hold of some stuff. I want to get some spiritual momentum. I, want to, I don't want to live responding to everything that goes around me. I want to, you know, it was like last year we had enduring faith. And I, I just said to myself, I don't want enduring faith this year. I want some faith that actually produces some fruit. I want to see some life change. I want to grab hold of things. And as I was kind of thinking about it, I thought to myself, man, this year... I want to find that disproportional thing. Because, you know, in everything, there's like, you do this one thing, and everything else kind of sinks in line. You ever find that? So, like, I'll give you some examples in sport and cricket. If you're batting, if you, this is going to help you massively enough. Not at all. But if you get your head over the ball, you will pretty much always hit the shot right. 
If your head's far from the ball, you generally nick it or go out or whatever. In golf, I mean, I don't play this stupid game, but what I'm told is that if your backswing is really slow, your arm's straight, you're probably going to hit the ball straight. It's just like these one things that make a disproportionate difference. All the golfers are like rolling eyes. He doesn't know what he's talking about. If you're surfing, I do know what I'm talking about. If, you, if you're surfing, where you put your hands will determine where your hips go, and where your hips go will move your board. Disproportionate difference. If you are dating, now you see, now everybody's... You can look like Chris Hemsworth. But if you have no confidence, this, this actually breaks down. If you look like Chris Hemsworth, you sort it. But you can look really, really good. But if you don't have confidence, Brie, you are making dinner alone for a long time. Like, it's just not going to go well. If you start a business, you can have your back end so sorted. If you don't get marketing and sales right, you are going to be starting a business for a long time. They're disproportionate difference makers in life. And I want to look at one that I think is a disproportionate difference maker in our faith. And I'm going to take a text, and I'm basically going to teach from this text. So uh, don't go to sleep. Jesus, help. Amen. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 goes like this. Even though I'm a free man with no master, I've become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the law, even though I'm not subject to the law. I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But, but I do not forget the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Now, we don't probably get the depth of this, because we don't understand Jew-Gentile hatred. Um, it, it would be like apartheid plus xenophobia plus the rights in one, like, one cauldron, how much hatred there was between Jews and Gentiles. The way the Jews thought is they thought that they had, or believed that they had or have, spiritual pedigree. God chose them. They were the haves. The Gentiles were the have-nots. They were disgusting, you and I, disgusting group of people. Basically, have no right to inherit the kingdom of God. You are rejected by God. We do not like you. Somewhere in the Bible that we've got to reach you, but we don't like you. Go away. That's the Jews. The Gentiles, the Romans, especially at this time, figured that everybody else was kind of average. Greeks were okay, but the rest of you sucked and should be our slaves. So this is the world they're living in. Jews, Gentiles, there's just this massive difference. To try and put it into today's kind of thinking, it would be like how... ISIS Muslims would think about Christians. Like, absolutely despicable. And so what Paul does, to try and like get your feel into this, he goes, when I'm with the ISIS Muslims, I wear their garb, I eat at their restaurants, I do their rituals if I have to, I'll do anything I can, make myself as uncomfortable as possible, 
because maybe I'll just get one of them. Because you don't, this isn't tracking with you. This is like saying to white people, when I'm in Kwamashu, C-block, I eat chisenyama, I, I speak Zulu badly, but I, I speak, I engage with everything I can, just in case I can pull one person. When I'm black, in Phoenix, throwing a little atomic bomb out there, when I'm, when I'm Indian, in Pofada, Again, this, I was thinking about this. This breaks down when I go to Khaled. Because Yoke's just own the jaw. I mean, you speak... Hey, Ruthie, you, you speak Zulu, just flows off your tongue. Spe they speak Afrikaans. Just, it just comes out. And then they speak their own dialect of English. It's a mixture of Zulu, Afrikaans, and it's called Khaled. And they're going to tune me after this. And there's... Yokes just fit in everywhere, it's, it's easy for you. But, but for the rest of us, it's, Paul's going, I will make myself an absolute slave to win some for Christ. Now, he then goes to the Gentiles. So you've got to understand the Gentiles, I don't know what the most permissive community in the world is, like Bangkok or Ibiza, I don't know where it is, but there would be some community that you and I would just feel unbelievably uncomfortable because of the number of prostitutes and the amount of drugs and the amount of sex trade, and we would just feel like, I can't be here. That was the Gentiles. And he goes, I'll go fitting with them if I can just get one person. Paul would get so uncomfortable that most Christians wouldn't go to the places he went to to make one person a Christian. Yeah. Now, lots of you are thinking, I'm so glad this was Paul, not me. In fact, I had a word during worship, and I just want to act on it. Sorry, it's a bit bizarre. If you're not a Christian, just watch weird people. I had the sense that some people have come to church today, and you feel so guilty or so ashamed that you, you actually can't receive this word. And so I, I want to just quickly shift you. I want you to stand up and put your head as high as you can. I really mean it. Stand up. <laughs> just, just stand up really, really tall. When Christ died for you, he said, by one sacrifice, I have perfected. Stand really tall. Just, just go, perfected forever, those he is sanctifying. Perfected me forever whilst he's fixing me. You have to have that, otherwise you lose all authority in your life. And you won't pray for the sick and you won't do anything. So Jesus, I just pray that your spirit rests on people and you confirm that in their spirits. Amen. You can sit. Here's what Paul's doing. He's going, my identity is no longer tied to my whiteness or my blackness or my coloredness or my Jewishness or my Gentileness. It, it's no longer tied to my socioeconomic status. My identity is tied to Jesus. And because my identity is tied to Jesus, my purpose is tied to Jesus. And so I don't see myself. I, mean, I listen to so many 
useless conversations Christians have about if this person was in power then. You're seeing yourself in terms of your, your band. It's stupid. The, the way Paul says, it's stupid if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, it makes complete sense. But if you're a Christian, Paul goes, my identity is in Jesus. Therefore, my purpose is wrapped up in his purpose. So when I go to work, I work as hard as I can. Not to make as much money as I can, but in case, in my working hard, I can cover over for someone else and get into a conversation about Jesus. When I go out for a bri, I invite weird people. Why? Because I want to practice hospitality, not because I really like them. Just because I want to meet with them just in case God does something incredible inside of their lives and I can lead them to Christ. I, I want to shift my way of thinking, I want to cling onto, I want to grab hold of something that's disproportionately going to change how my life works. It's going to line up a whole bunch of other things. I'm going to do whatever I have to, not to be more comfortable. I'm going to give up series and and clean sheets at night, Paul goes. I'm, I'm going to give up, I'm going to give up all the things that I want to grab hold of the one thing that matters. And then he goes on. And he says, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. Now, we're going we're gonna to come back to share in its blessings. But let me show you how doing everything to spread the gospel pulls every other aspect in your life into line. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? Now, just so you know, back in, actually from 700 B.C., they had, a, there were four main, like, Olympic games. So Greek culture, Roman culture, the, the known world understood games. Games was a big deal. Each of the games was for a specific god, but all of culture would go to games to see these athletes who would run around naked, which probably added to the number of spectators. And, and, and they, they came to watch the games. So they understood games language tutti. So he says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All the athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should, Otherwise, I fear that after I preach to others, I myself might be disqualified. So he uses this word in verse 25. It's egkatria. Say egkatria. Look, look how helpful I am. I'm sure you're going to use that every day. This is what egkatria means. It means self-rule, self-command, and self-control. Let me tell you why this is kind of important. Because in the last 30 or 40 years, we have built so many AAs, 12-step programs. Like, we've done it for alcoholics, drug addicts, porn addicts, for people who eat too much, for people who eat too little. Like, we can just go on and on and on with the number of groups we have, or 12-step programs that we have, recovery stuff, that is so good for people who feel out of control. The point is this. The world feels out of control for so many people. Now, for some of you, it might be not be at an addiction level. 
if the chocolate's there, if the wine is anywhere near where you cook, you, you will drink it until you tolerate your husband. If, if there's food around, you will eat it until your sad becomes happy. If, if, there is, if there is something to scroll through, you will mind-numb yourself until your problem becomes tomorrow's issue. We've, we've got self-control problems. And, and maybe you don't. You're one of about 0.01%. But everyone I meet to has some form of, man, I wish I had that under control. So Paul kind of describes how you get stuff under control. He uses this word, ekatria. And then he uses a different word, epithumia. Epithumia. It's translated lust or craving or desire. It means a struggle with having things out of order. So, so the word, these are opposites. Self-mastery, self-control. Lust cravings. This lust cravings word basically means instead of me wanting to make love to my wife, that is a good desire in an appropriate order. Instead of that, I feed it and feed it and feed it. It becomes a lust. It becomes out of order. And then it gets to stuff I'm watching and feeding it some more. And then it gets to porn. And then it gets to flirting with someone. And, and now I'm in the space of an affair about to happen. Or you take work. And, and work, which is a gift from God that is supposed to find its appropriate order that should be used to express creativity for the glory of God, to reach people around you, to bring life, now becomes the thing I do 14 day, hours a day so that I can get more money, so that I can live a better lifestyle. And so now it's grown out of proportion, out of order, and it's taking up all other aspects of my life. And this happens in how we raise kids. It happens in our consumeristic culture. It happens in pretty much every area of our lives. What's happened is that a desire that started off with a good cause has grown and grown and grown, and now it's out of order. It's too big. Self-mastery or self-control is not me exercising and making all those things small. What it is, is putting order to my desires so that everything fits in the right place. Now, some of you look at me as, where the heck does he get that from? Here's where. In verse 25, he says, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Athletes don't just run on Saturday. They run every single day. Athletes don't just have self-control in their running. They have self-control in their sleeping. Brent tells me NASA's new rule is that you need 24-minute catnap. 25? Oh, you're going to feel like you've got a headache. 23? Not quite recovered. 24 is what you need. Athletes will train themselves in how they sleep, in how they eat, in when they eat, in where they eat in where they train, in the ice bath, suicide. They'll train, you, they'll train in absolutely every aspect of their lives. Self-control is taking absolutely everything and putting it in order so that it fits in the right box. Then he goes, this is how you do it. He says, firstly, fix 
your eyes on the prize. Now, this is different to how the world does it. So the way the world gets self-control into them is mind over matter. So atomic habits. Basically, put the thing that you like out the way so that you can't get to it and you get to the celery instead of the chocolate, which doesn't work in my home. But you, you, you're trying to reduce temptation so that you can do the right thing. That's your mind taking control, your will taking control over your feelings. That's, that's not what he's talking about because he says, I want you to run this race to win a prize. Now, let me try and explain it. There's this um, story in the Bible about a dude, Jacob. Jacob was as messed up as the worst of us. But Jacob was kind of tricked into marrying a beautiful girl called Rachel. And in Genesis 29, it explains that Laban said to him, if you work for me for seven years, you can marry Rachel. And then the verse ends with, Rachel, uh, I mean, Jacob worked every single day, but it felt like a second to him. Some of you can't remember how long back that was. But what he's saying is his desire for the prize was so huge. He longed for Rachel so much that waking up early in the morning, that wasn't hard. Enduring horrible work conditions, that wasn't hard. Getting through Asking, when are we there? That, that wasn't hard. He didn't have to fight with those things because inside his soul, everything had found its right place because his eyes were fixed on the prize. Paul's going, my eyes are fixed on the prize. My prize, he goes, is you. Let me explain that. I just want to use some verses. Don't sleep now. He says this in 1 Thessalonians 2, we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very selves, because you had become so dear to us. For what is our joy or crown, that's a prize, which we will rejoice in the presence of the Lord, is it not you? You are our joy and our crown. In Philippians, he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you who I love and long for my joy and my crown. Before I became a pastor, um, I became a youth pastor. And all of you know that you need the grace of God to love teenagers. But when you lead one of them to the Lord, something happens in your spirit. And you'll love that little to death. You'll find yourself driving ridiculous numbers of kilometers to get that chirpy little oak to youth. When you run an alpha, how many of you have done alpha? How many of you have led alpha? Oh, let's change that. When you lead an alpha, what starts off the first week you get there and all these people are quite nervous of each other because what the heck is going to happen here? And your job is to make everybody relax and you kind of you're a little bit of a hospitality guru for a little while, and you just want everybody to enjoy it, but they're all terrified. So anyway, you get through the first week, and then they come the second week, and food helps. And, and by the time you get to the third week, you start to see a little bit of traction, and then the one oak says, I think this is all rubbish, and you think, oof, 
he's not going to get saved quickly. And, and then you go through it. And by the end of the course, what's happened is most people have given their lives to Jesus. The Christians have come back there on fire. And you as an alpha leader feel so connected to these people that you go, I will, these are like my kids. There's this love that God puts in your heart that literally makes these people my crowns, my prize. Now, if you live your Christian life without doing that, what generally happens is you go to church, you have some great worship, you go, oh, this is awesome, I hope he speaks for less time, and then you go home, and you go like, I feel lifted up, but you don't actually get the life of Christianity that flows when you have treasure I mean, I walked back in here today, and I can't lie, at 7 a.m., I was thinking to myself, oh, I don't even like them right now. <laughs> and then I walked in today, and I saw some of your faces, and the love of God just fills your heart, and you just go, oh, these people are so good. And I know you're, you're horrible. I know what you're like, and, but you just go, I love them so much. That is the river beginning to flow. And if you want your life to get into order, you've got to get the river flowing again. And in 2022, I know we just had to survive, but it is 2023. And you've got to start taking it back. So he says, fix your eyes on the prize. And then the second thing he says is, and I share in the blessing of the gospel. Now, I um, remember when I became a Christian, my, my digs, I had four digs mates, and we were all very naughty. In fact, if I told you some of the things that we did, you probably would stop coming to this church. And, uh, and so I started going to church because I wanted to meet a girl, and, um, because I was broke. And they still had money, and so they went to clubs and I went to church. But because I didn't want them to know I would sneak off to church and then come back. And when I got back, they would wake up from the, with a hangover and they'd say, where have you been? And I'd say, I've gone for a walk. Because I was too scared of what they would think because I was going to church. And they'd see me with red eyes and stuff. And they'd say, why are you crying? I said, no, it's just the sun. And, and this would happen week after week until eventually they put two and two together and went, the dude leaves at 8.30 every single morning. He's back at 11 something. He must be going to church. Are you going to church? One oak asked me. And I went, yes. And I stunted so much of my Christian growth. Let me tell you why. Because it sucks to climb a mountain and see this incredible view and not be able to share it with anyone. It's why so many people climb a mountain, take a million photos, and put it on every social media place they can. Why? Because they want to share it with someone. It, it sucks to read a great book and then turn to your wife and say, babe, you've got to read this book. Tell me about it. Oh, that sounds awful. No, thanks. It, it just it sucks when you can't share the thing that's happening inside of your life with people around you. It is, it's the worst. When you don't share what God is doing in your life and who God is to you with people around, it sucks. It, you were literally made to do that. It's called worship. 
You've got to understand, people try and separate worship from evangelism. You kind of think that worship is singing and evangelism is something you do with non-Christians. Worship is when I tell my non-Christian friend at a bri in some weird conversation about the World Economic Forum about Jesus. And when I start to go, man, you've got to know about my God. And I start to tell stories that actually matter to me. Or I go to work and I see a a person who's having a really rough day and I say to them, hey, I know this might be weird, but can I pray for you? Or when you're chatting to someone and you can see their marriage is way out of order and everything's going south and you go, man, I know someone who could really help you. Or can I pray with you? Or would you like to come over for, for dinner? When you do those kind of things, you know what you're doing? You're worshiping. And you were made for it. And when you worship, what begins to happen is the grace of God begins to flow from you to others, and the rest of your life slowly starts to come into order, and the things that are out of control start to find the right space, and you start to go, I've got my life back. So for 2023, let's get our lives back. Let's start to grab hold of And I know some of you are introverts. You will only do this one person at a time every six months. But grab hold of spreading the gospel. And don't do it because the pastor said, and don't do it because it's the right thing to do, and don't do it it for any of those things. Do it because there's a prize, and there's so much grace in that prize. And do it because it's worship. And do it because when Jesus was in heaven, He looked down, and he knew he'd have to get into a crummy earthly body in a trench called a manger, and he'd have to die on a cross. And he looked at it with joy, because you're his Rachel. You're the one he loves with all his heart. You're the one he's been looking forward to have a relationship with. He has... You're his Rachel. You're the one who makes time go like this for him. You're the one who he delights in. So go and share because you're the Rachel. And if you haven't asked him into your life, why don't you do it now? Why would you miss out? So let's stand. You know, it's quite funny. Oh, this is getting streamed. I'm, I'm watching you. You're not church fit. Because I'm sure I preached for 30 minutes and I've never seen so many yawns in my life before. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Next week will be 40. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Jesus, I don't want this year to be just an enduring year. Jesus, this year, I want to cling hold of worshiping you and the prize you have for me. I want to hold on to it. I want to cling to it. I want to grab hold of. And I want to be changed by you. And if there's someone here who your life is not right with God, you are far from him, and You came here today because you went, Jesus, today I want to make my life right. If that's you, be bold. Put up your hand. Let's pray with you. See it, see it, see it. Well done. Well done. 
Most people would have waited till next week. You came this week. Well done. I want you to pray this. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Jesus, for some of you, you're coming back to God. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Grab hold of my heart again. It's got hard. It's calloused. It's, it's, the priorities are all wrong. Grab hold of my heart again and shift me. This feels like too big a step, but shift me, God. Change what's happening on the inside. Reorder my life so that I can live for your glory. And fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 May God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Lovely being with you.